Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Keir Finlow Bates on. He's a blockchain expert. Hi, Keir. Oh, hi there, Daniel. How are we today? I'm pretty good, actually. Fantastic. Keir, do you want to jump straight in? Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Right. Okay. Um, well, to be honest, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but there is one um, theme that runs through it all, and that is blockchain. Uh, since late 2015, uh, that's what I've been working on full time. Uh, when I was uh, laid off from a job that I'd worked in for nearly 15 years before that. So wow. it was kind of an opportunity for a career change and think about what I actually wanted to do. And I'd been studying blockchain as a hobby for about four or five years before that. And given that break, I thought I've got to go for a full time. Yeah. So what was your uh, career previous to then? Have you always been in the tech space? Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, we're going back a bit now, um, pre the World Wide Web, in fact, but uh, uh, I sort of started off studying maths at university and did a PhD in maths and education and was a maths lecturer for a while. And then I decided that uh, academia wasn't for me. And I moved into the software industry, uh, initially as a tech writer, and then as a test engineer. Okay. Um, so, and then you're moving into blockchain, you said, you know, you, you lost your job and you decided, you know, I'm going to go into blockchain, but why specifically blockchain? Well, I'd, um, I, I'd as a hobby, when I'd been um, a, a permanent employee, that's a misnomer, isn't it? The word permanent there. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'd uh, been inventing stuff. A lot of tech companies have uh, a sort of an award scheme to encourage, in fact, often you're contractually obliged to reveal things that you have invented to your employer so that they can claim and patent them, and then they give you a financial bonus. And uh, I'd started doing that as a hobby and therefore had been sort of branching out from the area that I was working in, which was satellite navigation at that time, into all sorts of stuff, especially cryptography, mm. uh, because it tied in neatly with uh, my love for mathematics. And uh, blockchain sort of arrived on the scene in the form of Bitcoin late 2009, and someone gave me the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper, which uh. kicked it all off. Uh, and I read that in either late 2009 or early 2010 and started playing around with it and thinking what could be done with this. Now, of course, my employer, when I submitted inventions relating to blockchain was completely bemused, <laughs> nothing about it. And uh, I did get a couple of them accepted and even patented, but most of them were just, uh, you know, it was kind of polite, thank you very much and uh, move on. Mm. So, uh, so once uh, I was laid off, uh, I had the opportunity to do that kind of stuff full time and for myself, not wow. for an employer. So for all of those that haven't seen your videos of walking in the woods and talking about blockchain, um, a nice succinct, what actually is blockchain? Oh, that's, that is such a difficult question to, uh, uh, to answer. I'm sure. Uh, because you can approach it from a technical point of view. Mm -hmm. And then you get people saying stuff like, oh, it's an immutable time-stamped database with a consensus system to allow decentralized extension and verification of the blockchain. And, 
And when you hear something like that, most people go, what? <laughs> it's like trying to describe a car by um, detailing all the parts on, you know, under the hood mm. um, and how they interconnect. It, it doesn't help people. Um, and actually, that's not really its significance. It's the significance of blockchain is that it solves a, a human problem. And that is one about uh, trust, about how can people trust transactions that they have with each other. And mm -hmm. so that then leads on to the concept of ownership. How can you ensure ownership of um, things in a digital space uh, in, uh, in a trustworthy way without relying on a central authority like a, a bank to keep a, a bank balance or a government to keep a land registry, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the kind of more hand wavy thing, which is that the blockchain uh, solves in the technical world uh, the problem of ownership and transaction trustworthiness without needing to go to a centralized authority or a broker or a central party and effectively paying them a fee for doing that for you. Wow. So on the face of it, I, I mean, a, a massive leap forward for uh, that kind of, you know, decentralized finance and mm -hmm. so many other applications. Um, yeah, it, it actually kind of kicked it off, really. Mm. I mean, Nakamoto uh, solved what is known as the double spend problem. Which, okay. which we don't have with cash. If you've got a five pound note, um, the universe very conveniently makes sure that it is a single entity and mm -hmm. you can either have it in your wallet or not. So that in, in the real world, when you pay the uh, fish and chip shop a fiver for your Friday meal, I um, mean, you hand the note over, um, it doesn't magically reappear in your wallet. Um, the problem in the digital space is that digital entities can be copied. I get a, mm. you know, I, how do you ensure that I don't just give you a copy of a five pound and another copy and another copy? And that's what Nakamoto solved was this what's known as the double spend problem uh, in a decentralized way. And what's the thing that most excites you about blockchain? Okay, you know, we talked about decentralized finance, but what do you think the impact of blockchain could potentially be? You know, the number one thing you're like, wow, this is this is incredibly exciting. I don't really think there's a number one at the moment. I mean, there are sort of things that take off and capture people's attention and then uh, we'll work on them and they take off or they don't. Or sometimes they go dormant and then suddenly rise up and become something amazing. Mm -hmm. um, it's it, the thing with blockchain. It's such a general tool. It's, it's like a database, mm. right? A database has been around since the uh, Apollo moonshot. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, really, it was only in the late seventies with relational databases and uh, Oracle was one of the first companies working in that. But mm. they started to gain traction, and now they are just everywhere in the technology world. You know, it's hard to think of any significant software application that doesn't somewhere in the background have a database running. Mm. But of course, for the average user of a system, they don't care. It, it just it works and that's what matters for them it, it it may be you know something that keeps the engine running um but uh, your average user is not going to care about the fact that there's a database behind it and that's eventually going to be the case with blockchain too they'll just be there in the background doing their job and people mm. will just know that well 
in fact, in a generation's time, most people won't really know what they are or think about them. They'll just know what the effects of them are. Yeah, very good point. Um, so there's a lot of hype, or there was certainly a lot of hype around blockchain, uh, you know, maybe two or three years ago, and there still is hype now, but specifically around cryptocurrencies. Um, I'd be really interested to get your sort of point of view on, on cryptocurrencies, because there's hundreds now, isn't there? Um, obviously, Bitcoin being the, the most well-known and, and most valuable at the moment. But what's your, your sort of take on these currencies? Yeah, I, actually, it's very, very easy to launch a cryptocurrency uh, thanks to the Ethereum blockchain and other what are known as EVM compatible blockchains, smart contract blockchains. Uh, it really is just a matter of copy pasting some code and submitting it to the blockchain and magically you have a token. Um, so, and even say five years ago when you didn't have these uh, smart contract um, blockchains easily available, people were still taking, for example, the Bitcoin source code, because it's all open source, and giving the token a different name, changing some parameters and releasing a copy of it. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, although blockchains stop the forging and copying of currency, you are able very simply to effectively clone another sort of nation of cryptocurrency, as it were, just give it a different name. Um, and as a result, most of them are worthless. And mm. this is where we hit a problem with speculation, which is yes. that you, you never know which one is going to take off. I don't go and buy random altcoins, as they're called, because I have no way of assessing whether they're going to succeed or not. I mean, historically, I've seen what I thought were very stupid things do incredibly well. <laughs> the, the classic one there is the Doge coin, yes. which was launched as a joke and is now worth a fortune. <laughs> and, and similarly, I've seen ones that I thought were very good and they just didn't get traction. And mm. so it's about building a user base. And, and this isn't surprising because it's actually kind of the way that nations work as well. You know, the, the, the British pound works because we're all brought up in an environment where that's the currency and we just kind of internalize it and trust it. Mm. When you sit down and think about what it actually is, um, I mean, it, it is... It's just as crazy and magical that these bits of paper with a picture of the queen's head on them can somehow be used to get real um, objects of value. You can buy food with them or shelter or transportation. Mm. Um, and they are just pieces of paper with a picture of the queen on them. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very true. Um, you have to forgive me. I'm, I, I have been reading up on blockchain and sort of looking into it for, you know, a good few months now, but I'm not very... Um, Probably not very technical, but I did hear somebody describe um, Bitcoin as the gold of the future and Ethereum as the oil of the future, if you like. Gold being the the sort of storage of value and Ethereum allowing you to actually do things on the blockchain. Is that kind of how you see it? Um, it's, a, it's a way of viewing it. Of course, the problem with all the analogies is that once you dig into them too deeply, they break down and they can lead you up the garden path in that you think that because Bitcoin has been described as, say, gold that you can email, that it's going to have all the characteristics that gold has other than being heavy and you know, needing storing in a vault. Mm. Um, so, but I think it, it's, an, it's interesting from examining the problem of categorizing what this thing is. I mean, the, the fact is cryptocurrencies are a new kind of 
I think the technical term that uh, finance people like to use is it's a new kind of asset class. Mm-hmm. And these things get invented occasionally. You know, there weren't always shares and stocks in companies, for example, or bearer bonds or things like that. So we invent financial instruments. And then over time, they kind of gain a, a sort of realism to them. Initially, they're just, they're clearly just an invention. And then eventually, they just become part and parcel of our societal fabric. And at the moment, I think indeed that Bitcoin can be compared to a kind of digital gold. It does sort of seem to fit a lot of the criteria for that. And people are starting to use it in the way that they use gold, for example, as a hedge against uh, problems with fiat currencies. Yes, sort of. Um, it's been described as a way to, to combat inflation, if you like. Yeah, I mean, it's a very volatile way of combating yeah. it. In the long run, it's done fine. Um, there is, of course, always the worry that something will go horribly wrong and it'll crash down to zero. Yeah. Um, however, uh, it's it's not showing any signs of stopping. But I don't like to give financial advice because I'm fundamentally a programmer and a mathematician and an entrepreneur. And I'm not sure. a trader or a um, you know a speculator or anything like that. So no, sure, sure. It's kind of you always have to put the warning on. Do your own research. Don't <laughs> put money into this that you can't afford to lose. Um, I mean. I think on a pragmatic point of view, if you have some spare cash and you're thinking of buying stocks or land or something like that, well, it's another thing to consider. But yes. Yeah. Look into it. Don't just rush in. You're <laughs> educated because there are lots of pitfalls. Certainly. And now this podcast is mainly about careers and, and industries of the future or current industries. Now, blockchain uh, as itself, do you think it's going to touch a huge plethora of industries and, and people will, um, you know, be involved in it across a whole spectrum of industries, or do you think it will be in specific sectors and specific industries that blockchain really takes a hold? Yeah, good question. So back in around about 2017, um, when my startup company was kind of chugging along and we thought we might be onto a winner, um, to a spoiler alert here, we weren't. Um, <laughs> The uh, I used to occasionally wake up in the middle of the night with a nightmare. So, oh my God, what if this is just a total castle in the air and it's all going to collapse and I'm going to wake up in a year's time and everybody says, well, that was a waste of time. Mm. Um, I think the evidence now is overwhelmingly that this is a significant technology. It's it's so significant that it's taking us a significant amount of time to work out what on earth we can do with it just like the internet and the world wide web if, if you saw a web page in 1995 you would have been underwhelmed you would have mm. thought, what is this and why is this going to be significant fast forward to now and it's hard to imagine uh, the world well the the western world anyway or uh, the um without the internet and without all these websites for doing all sorts of things you know, the, the fact that you can pay your taxes through websites. You can finally do banking at a reasonable level online. Mm. All the shopping. I mean, you know, I dread to think how many hours a day my kids spend on, on the web. <laughs> Not too much, probably. But, um, so, uh, and I think it's, well, it seems clear to me that blockchain is a similar game changer. And we are sort of in 1996, 97, just before the dot-com boom type era wow. where 
people have cottoned on to the fact that this is going to be big, but we don't know, Macheri. We don't know which one's going to be Amazon.com and which one's going to be Pets.com. Mm. That's the problem. So as an industry we're going into, I think it's got a future uh, for the specific niche that you pick. That's a bit more of a gamble, but the skills will be transferable. And what kind of skills do you think will, people will need to go into this industry? Uh, well, it depends on what you're interested in. I mean, obviously, there's the technical side. You know, learn some, if, if you've got a bit of coding knowledge, a bit of programming knowledge, and you want to become a software developer, then blockchain is one area that you can choose to specialize in, just like AI or data analysis or god forbid maintaining old fortran systems you know, there, there are areas you can choose um cyber security is another one that i think really um, should be taking off sometime soon hopefully uh, so blockchain is a kind of career choice within the career of software development and then there are plenty of resources online it is so much easier in 2021 than it was back in uh, you know 2013 when i started messing around with bitcoin coding um, in that there are tutorials and videos and um, libraries that you can rely on. So from a coding point of view, uh, lots of uh, opportunities to learn and grow. Um, but of course, there's the bigger space, which is actually, for example, business development, working out how and when blockchain cases are useful and valuable in a business um, context. Mm. Uh, or uh, when you look at blockchain and, and government, for example, there are we see uh, some countries moving towards more open, transparent, accountable governance systems um, where the citizens have more control over their personal data and the way they interact with the government. And in that respect, I think blockchain for those kinds of nations is going to be a significant engine for change. So there's a political angle to it too. So heaps of possibilities there. Plus, of course, academia. If you want to be a researcher and you want to work at a university, the blockchain offers wonderful opportunities to uh, write as many papers as you like. Mm. Speaking of places to go and learn and go and start thinking about blockchain, um, you've got some some great videos um, walking in the woods, having a chat. How did that all come about? Well, it came from discovering what being a salesman is like, actually. That's the fundamental part of it. I, I mentioned briefly my company. Um, it's now, uh, it, the company's called Chainfrog. And initially we were gonna release this amazing product that was gonna bridge blockchain with conventional programming databases in fact. Mm. Uh, we never managed to sell a unit, even though by the end we had complete functioning software. And I think one of the problems was that we were too ahead of the curve. People were still exploring what blockchain might be all about. Um, maybe if we continued, uh, it could have gone somewhere, but the timing wasn't right. And as part of being the CEO of that company, I realized that I had to learn how to sell. It's so important if you have a startup, if you're an entrepreneur, to build sales skills. Mm. And it's difficult because sales is awkward and embarrassing to most of us. You know, yeah. kind of, you have to behave like an eight-year-old boy who wants his dad to buy him a bicycle. <laughs> um, you know, can I please have a bike? Can I please have a bike? You know, bargain. <laughs> if I clean my room, can I have a bike? You know, it's that kind of dialogue that goes on, admittedly not in quite the same whiny voice. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and so I did cold calling for eight hours a day for oh. a month and a half. 
brutal. We had this database that um, my salespeople had put together and I thought one last push, just to see if we can get somewhere. I will call them all up and talk to them. And I had a script and I went and read books on psychology of selling and watched videos. And, um, and I wouldn't say that I became a fantastic salesman, but I, I think I became reasonably competent Mm. compared to what I was before which was effectively an introverted engineer <laughs> um, but I also realized that this was just hell and I mean I just my heart goes out to people whose daily job is manning the phones on sales calls um, mm. I guess some people must love it but I, I personally can't find any joy in it whatsoever um, so I started thinking how about going the other way around um, and then now we're talking more about entrepreneurship and less about blockchain. So yeah, that's no, good. It's good. Yeah. So, so I thought, um, what if instead of me calling people up and badgering them, I get them interested in me and then yes. they go, this guy is somebody who knows stuff about something that I need to know about. Uh, and I think it's called inbound marketing. Yes. And so I, uh, I, tried to become a social media person um, and the first step was to think of a format um, and the my approach was let's explain blockchain in short simple to understand videos with analogies without dumbing it down so put a communicate that I understand what's actually going on underneath and that I'm giving some insights to people who might have had to struggle for weeks or months to get them and put out regular videos um, and it, it's surprisingly addictive. You sort yes. Of, yeah. You, uh, but I think they say this about everything. It's like um, running or, or going to the gym or um, stuff like that. People get hooked on it. Mm. And you do with this. If you make a video every day for 30 days, the first ones are terrible. And then as time goes on, you get better and you feel the improvement and it starts to become a joyful process. Um, Plus, it is immensely rewarding to get messages from people saying, I, you know, I love what you're doing here. You helped me. It's, um, I, I'm so glad that you're doing this. Um, so it, it's, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to take up 40 hours a week. I, I've got mm -hmm. it down to about an hour a week to make three videos and get them out. And mm -hmm. in fact, the, the slow part is responding to people's comments. Yes. Um, but uh, you know, it's either that or waste the time on Facebook and uh, <laughs> kind of gone off then recently. So yeah, uh, much better to be answering people's questions and thanking people for their support on LinkedIn than uh, just scrolling through an endless wall of drivel. Definitely. I mean, I'll be honest here. I think inbound marketing is definitely the future. I think any company that thinks nowadays, especially calling someone up especially millennials and the people of my generation because they don't like to talk on the phone and mm. trying to sell them something is you, you honestly you might as well not do it inbound marketing and, and i think um the marketing gurus out there call it you know adding value first so you you know you're giving away a lot of your knowledge for free but becoming an expert and a point of trust um i definitely think that's the future for not just what you're doing but for a lot a lot of businesses um and, and what does your what does your business do now so you, are you consulting within the area is that what what your business does now that's kind of what it works out now i mean there was the sort of sad day where we had a company retreat and all um employees went and uh, discussed what we could do um and we we lucked out in that we'd made 
one big chunk of money. And therefore we actually had runway for another year or so um, if we could sell. And it was really hard to decide, do, do we want to take that money and put it back on the table and continue playing? Or do we want to pocket the profits and say, well, you know, we didn't become a unicorn, not that we were probably ever going to, um, but we didn't make a huge loss either. And it was a really good learning experience. And we all settled ultimately on that. So um, my company is now an IP holding company. Mm, okay. uh, we, yeah, we have um, 13 US blockchain related patents. Wow. Granted. Uh, and um, I'm kind of, with the help of a patent broker, um, I've been looking to sell them. It's not been a great market for patent sales because the US is sort of um, in the attempt to clamp down on patent trolls. They've kind of thrown out the baby with the bathwater. Oh. That they've kind of expanded the definition of patent troll to anybody who has a patent but doesn't make a product using it. And that just means that inventors have been labeled patent trolls if they patent their inventions. So the US has effectively said, we don't consider inventing a career. Hey. Um, I think the pendulum may be swinging back. And the other thing is patents, you know, you get 20 years out of them um, and you can go back and sue people who infringed earlier on. So uh, I think they should increase in value and it's actually worth sitting on them until they appreciate a bit more because the, yeah. the going rate's not so good. So that that's what the company's doing. Um, mm. And uh, as for me personally, well, I um, indeed, I offer blockchain consultancy. Um, I have a number of clients and uh, I go in. Typically, the projects don't run for terribly long, so mm -hmm. two, three, four months. I come in and offer opinions, and <laughs> talk too much, and, <laughs> and listen a bit. And uh, occasionally I do some coding, solve some problems, um, yeah. give advice. And uh, then, you, you know, the client goes away feeling that they've got a better understanding of the problems they're facing and the issues they need to keep in mind and also knowing what they've done really well and where their strengths are and uh, and uh, we're, we're both happy sure and also you've got a book out right oh, that's right yes i am oh i'm writing a book uh, anybody who's thinking about writing a book i would say don't do it except <laughs> that there's no point because it's a compulsion if you feel the need to write a book no matter what anybody says to you, you're going to do it. Um, um, however, having done it, it's a bit like banging your head against the wall. It feels awful, but gosh, it feels great when it, you stop. Um, and uh, so once I got the book out and I didn't have to worry about, you know, how many hours I'm going to stay up tonight to bang out the next chapter. Mm. That's a wonderful feeling. And I've got sidetracked here. So <laughs> that's the, okay. The book, yeah. So the, the book is called Move Over Brokers. Here comes the blockchain. Gosh, let me check if I got that right. Yep, that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, it's available on uh, Amazon in paperback and in uh, Kindle ebook format. And you can get a hardback version from lulu.com mm -hmm. if you don't like using the aforementioned e-commerce giant. Mm -hmm. um, and it uh, it is a book that I rather ambitiously aimed at everyone. So regardless of whether you have no technical knowledge or you are a programmer or a mathematician, you'll get something from it. Um, and the reason is that I'm explaining blockchain through the use of analogies. Um, 
and explaining not just in parts how it works, in parts why it's significant, um, and all this sort of overarching theme about the punk rock movement of the 70s, where <laughs> okay. music briefly detached itself from the <laughs> clutches of the music industry, yeah. um, which is something that blockchain and cryptocurrencies um, aim to do to the finance and banking world. Ah, so, okay. We just have to see if the story ends the same way, though, or not. Yes, interesting. Um, Kit, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and have a chat. Love chatting to you. Um, I think it's really interesting, blockchain, and it sounds like it has the uh, possibility to be a massive part of the future going forward. I certainly hope so. I'm betting the farm on it. Yes. (laughs) And where can people find you and what you're up to, Kit? Right, so the, the place that I hang out the most is on LinkedIn. And I'm open to any connections from people. And uh, you can just search for my name on LinkedIn because I am the only Kier Pinlobex on the planet. So <laughs> in that sense, it's useful to have a unique name. Um, and then there's my YouTube channel. And I'm sure you'll put a link at the bottom of the podcast to that. Um, so that's where you can actually see me walking through the woods and talking about blockchain and cryptocurrency and a lot of the topics that we've talked about. Uh, even entrepreneurship and things like that crop up occasionally. Um, so those really would be the, the two big ones. Amazing. Thank you again. Thank you very much.